doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages. And at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. page you'll see they have five six pages of uh, of unique t-shirts stickers um, state uh, specific stickers of of Sasquatch it looks like they have their own um, own Sasquatch design their own artwork they're not reusing the same same things that we see on every t-shirt so it's kind of kind of nice to see something different and uh, we got a lot to talk about so if you will, please give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to Mr. Rick Rellis. Rick, welcome to Uncomfortable. Hi, Eric. How are you? Doing well, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you getting back with me and giving me an opportunity to get you on the show here. Well, I appreciate you uh, having me on the show and talking a little bit about I Know Squatch, too. Uh, and, and thank you. That's correct. You know, we do all our own original artwork and... Uh, uh, we are always updating Instagram, and uh, we're very active at shows and, and getting out into the whole Bigfoot community. So thank you for that. Oh, no problem. And, and uh, you know, to the listeners, definitely go out and check the uh, check out the Etsy uh, store that they have. They got a lot of neat, uh, a lot of neat stuff. I like the I like the Sasquatch that you guys have as your uh, your main main figure throughout the stickers and the shirts. Like I yeah. said, it's it's nice to see something that's not rehashed and reused from 20, 20 other shirts. Well, I no, I appreciate that, and actually, it ties into what we talk about. But uh, we do all our own original artwork, and we trademark um, and protect it. 
and and we've done that. We still continue to do that. But uh, the image of the Sasquatch peeking around a tree that actually gets reported a lot. So that's where that comes from. Um, you know, I'm an investigator, BFRO, and I've been uh, talking with witnesses for a long time, years and years. And you know, I guess I started investigating. I really started getting into this back in 2010, but then started investigating around 2015. And you know, I talked. You know, over the years, talked to a lot of witnesses, and a lot of times, uh, hunters, you know, in particular, have reported when they have an encounter, they see one of these things that is peeking around a tree. So yeah. that depiction that we use, and I know Squatch, that's really where that came from. It's one of the most frequently reported ways that uh, you know this creature gets seen. Let me ask you something. Sure. Uh, you know, you just brought up the fact that you're a BFRO investigator, mm-hmm. and this is the most commonly referred to um predicament that people see these things in peeking around a tree um doesn't have an aggressive look on its face doesn't look like it's uh it has any mal malice or 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 bad intent in its in its face now granted it's just a drawing Mm -hmm. with your years of investigation and your years of taking reports from people Percentage-wise, if you can, what is the percentage of hostile encounters versus the tree peeking, walking away, wanting nothing to do with anything, just, hey, sorry, didn't mean for you to see me, going to get out of (laughs) here. Yeah, so let me let me answer that a couple of ways. I would say based on witness reports, witnesses I've talked to, gone out to property, um, reports that have come in, I would say, you know, maybe ten to twenty percent of them have um, some type of uh, activity from the Bigfoot, if you will, the Sasquatch, where they're uh, aggressive. Okay. Um, I'm a, I would say that I could echo that percentage of my own research. I lead expeditions. I have groups out in the woods. I do a lot of scouting. Um, I lived in Wisconsin for 19 years and I had a research area I went into frequently. I would say that, you know, eight out of 10 times, uh, you know, it's uh, communicating back with you. Uh, they're around, they're curious. Uh, it's not aggressive. It's not, not taking up anything aggressive, pushing a tree over, throwing rocks. Uh, you know, the t- some of the things that they they do in standard, you know, stomping on the ground. But I would say, uh, you know, seven, eight out of ten times, you don't get that behavior. It's more curious. Uh, if you're playful, they can be playful, and it's kind of you get what you give. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing that I've gotten back from witnesses. But then there are other times that, you know, for whatever reason. You know, I think these things are like humans and that there's good humans and there's not so good humans, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and I think they have good days and they have bad days, uh, too. But uh, to say they haunt a particular uh, dwelling and are aggressive, you know, I give them the benefit of the doubt. And I always, I found that, you know, if we're in a, if we're out scouting, or we're in a, on an expedition, where we're in a place they don't want us to be. And we're being aggressive, you know, making, you know, loud noises, howls, throwing things, et cetera, stomping around with, then we get back the same. And they don't want you in a particular area. They're going to let you know. And a lot of it's territorial. A lot of it's, and you know, if we're just being invasive, they're going to do things to get you out of that area. And um, most of the time it has to do with territory or where you are. If you're in a place they don't want you to be, maybe they have 
kids there or maybe you know they have this funny thing too you can get to like an equilibrium with them in the woods where you know you're you're sitting or standing in one place and over time and they're interacting and they're in the woods somewhere but then if you charge you go into the woods into where they are they may bluff charge you or push a tree over uh, if you kick on a white light or something they'll do you know they'll push a tree over or yell or throw a rock you know so it's always, I always it always seems to be eric i mean that's a long answer but if we do something that's you know offensive to them then they seem to react back but to say they just you know come out of their shoes and come at you to, from the get-go to start i i don't know you know i wouldn't say that's necessarily the case well, you know, it, it, there are no long answers here. I mean, you know, this, like I said before we started recording, this is a this is a discussion based interview, and mm-hmm. wherever it goes, it goes. And and it uh, it we took a turn here, like right off the bat, we're gonna we're getting into we're getting into the stuff uh, that I really wanted to talk to to you about, and and we can sure. go back to some other things later on. Mm-hmm. But uh, let let's continue to focus on this. I guess. <clears throat> You know, like you, you said, some interesting stuff as far as you know the the their demeanor based on what's going on in that area at, at a specific time. Whether they have children in the area, um, it's weird to call them children, but uh, mm-hmm. babies or young or whatever you want to call them, they're children. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You also said you think that these are a lot a lot more like us. Can I get your your own personal belief? Do you think these are a a, a people or do you think that they are an animal that is just much closer related to us than say, you know, the, the simians that we, we know of and understand the, the chimps, the gorillas. And because when you go to a zoo, there's no denying when you sit there and you look at these things, there are very human uh, right. attributes to all of them. And there's certain ways that they look at you through the glass where it looks like they're looking into your soul, you know? Um, where where are you at on this? So that, great question. I appreciate it. Um, so let me give it to you, give you a couple of data points. One is, you know, we were just at Ohio Bigfoot Conference, and uh, Dr. Meldrum was there speaking. And if you've heard him talk, the phrase he uses now is "well accommodated." Yeah. So okay, so that is what it is. That's kind of where he is after years and years of research, and you know, that's kind of where he is. Um, but, but he does, he tends to fall into, and I don't know if he necessarily groups himself in with it, but he is grouped by people into the, uh, the aper qual, uh, category, you know, right. that, that they're more of a, that they're more of an animal. And yeah. So yeah, you know, I wouldn't disagree, but he's trying to figure out where it is in the evolutionary scale and how it fits in on a tree from a species standpoint, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. you know, primate, you know, pognid, hominid, I, you know, all that stuff gets tossed around. I, I looked at Native Americans, what they, they'll refer to them as forest people. Right. You know, you don't hear Native Americans refer to these things as primates. And, you know, the, least, and the, the Native American, the First Nations, um, right their stories about these things that seems i i understand that the the first nations are are very um very spiritual and they you know they believe in the the Mm -hmm. the sky children or the uh, star child and and stuff like that so i know that their beliefs are a little out there Mm -hmm. but when i hear them and and you you see them being relayed via uh, a, a tribal elder or something there's something remarkably grounded 
about how they speak about them. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think that they know something we don't. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, and, and, I, I, and I, and I tend to take those accounts into, I uh, take, I take those a little more to heart than, than I do the people that now this is just another animal. Yeah. I have a good friend who's, uh, you know, native American, uh, who is closer to elder than he is to youngster now at this point, but he, he gives me a lot of, uh, feedback and insight on these things and really the way first nations people look at it. And, it is, it, as you point out, you know, it is spiritual. It is uh, more in regard and respect to these things being, um, I wouldn't say human, but people, you know, uh, yeah. you know, having a, a personage as opposed to what's us undiscovered primate in the woods. Um, you know, the, we could talk about DNA and the Melba Ketchum studies and all that forever, but, uh, you know, that was 95% human and 5% unidentified regardless of the lack of peer review, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I think the, the inputs into that study, at least the sampling that went into it, uh, I think there was integrity in that. So, yeah. All right. So those three data points. What do I think at this point? Um, I think they're closer, you know, the, the, I don't feel like, uh, you know, they have primate characteristics and behaviors often, but they certainly seem to have an intelligence that's humanish, and they behave in social order. There's never one of them in the woods. You know, it, it always seems like there's more of them. Mm-hmm. They seem to be in groups, social groups and have that going with them. They seem to have a human communication type behaviors. Um, you know, they can interact back and forth with you. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's an undiscovered ape. You know, I was read Lauren Coleman's book years ago, and you know, I was on that page at first, and uh, you know, now I think I've drifted more to having, you know, more respect for Native American view on it. I, it's it's more, you know, is it leans more human in its characteristics, behaviors, etc. And then there's the whole paranormal side to it, which are it has these things have abilities beyond. Uh, what we know and physically can explain relative to primates or humans. So now um, uh, let me interrupt you real quick because I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised that being an investigator for the BFRO that you are bringing that up. And I'm glad that you are, because that is, that is definitely something I'd like to talk about. And it is, it is an aspect of these things that, um, that comes up more often than not. And in many people's discussion of it, it, it gets pushed off to the side because, you know, like <clears throat> Cliff Berrickman, he won't talk about the, the woo stuff because there's no, there's no wall of science to lean against when you're talking about this stuff. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's much easier and not that he's not that he's shortcutting or anything, but it's much easier to, uh, have fashioned opinions based on science, which many of the the more popular, the Meldrums and the Brackmans, and you know that they can they can defend certain things with science, and and the the woo stuff is uh, it's a it's a very interesting aspect of it, and having experienced that myself. Mm-hmm in the form of um, basically being zapped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always, 
like I said, I always thought it was a very interesting thing. And I like, I like the ideal behind these things, having some kind of a supernatural power to them or, or whatever. It just makes it even more interesting and, and, uh, cool. But, you know, I was always kind of on the, on the fence about whether this is actually a thing or not. Now you look into the, you look into our government and they spent tens of millions of dollars up until the early nineties. Uh, I forget what the project was, but they were, they were utilizing people with remote viewing using, mm-hmm. using psychic abilities and they had a tremendous success rate with right. it. So it, it's a legitimate thing. It, it happens. People have that ability to do that. Not everybody. Well, they say everybody does, but it has to be cultivated. Some people are just more naturally inclined to be able to use it. Um, so, you know, those types of things. And, you know, my show is about all high strangeness, not just Bigfoot. So, you know, I talk to a lot of people about a lot of weird stuff and <laughs> it, you know, it, this, this stuff happens out there. So, you know, when, when I say, People have heard me talk about this a lot. You don't know about it, so I'll, I'll go into it, but I won't get too deep. I did an interview with a woman. She was a Native American. She was a practicing witch. When I first decided to do the interview, I thought she was like a Native American witch, like a shaman or you know a healing mm-hmm. lady or something like that. This She was an actual practicing witch. She practiced black magic. She practiced white magic. She practiced gray magic you know it was she wasn't afraid to go on either side of the of the fence and during the conversation um she had told me that she had squatch on her property and she lived rather relatively close to me so we did the interview in person i went there and did the interview in her home we went into a room she shut the door and about halfway into the interview um she was in the middle of a sentence and she had just finished pronouncing the word and to go on to the next word. And before that next word, there was the most bombastic. I can't even the voluminous, just this auditory sound that you know i i can't say it was a scream i can't say it was a whoop i can't but i i I heard it my body and she reacted to it as well we both whipped around and we looked at the back wall of this room which was all windows looking out onto a field across the street Mm -hmm. Uh, this was in a fairly rural area and um maybe 75 to a hundred feet off the road was one of those, you know, when you go past a, a farm that's all farmland, but they still have like a one acre plot that is trees and, you know, for wildlife and whatever. So there was this sitting, you know, maybe, maybe 250, 300 feet, maybe a football field away from these windows and, and this noise, the sound, this, this yell, the scream, this, I don't know what the hell it was. I really don't, man. Um, it was a loud noise. That's the way my body perceived it. Mm-hmm. And we both stopped. I looked up, she turned around and looked out the back window, uh, the windows with me, um, immediately 
goosebumps over every inch of my body. I'm not talking just my arms. I'm not talking the hair on my neck. Um, the sides of my torso, my legs, everything had goose flesh on it. Every hair on my body was wired. Whoa. And I said, what was that? And she looked at me and she smiled and she goes, that's my big boy. And I huh. said, that's your big boy. And she goes, yeah, that's SETI, S-E-T-I. Mm. And I said, you've got a name for him? <laughs> she <laughs> said, yeah, it's Egyptian. And I said, you know, that's strange because SETI is also the search for ext extraterrestrial intelligence, right. Right. Um, which I don't even know that we need to bring all that into everything, but um, we don't want to convolute anything. But um, when that when that sound hit, when, when I heard that noise, and I keep saying I heard it, but I'll go on to explain something after. When I heard that, the first thought that went through my head immediately was, shit, I left my gun in my car. Yeah. That was the first thing that went through my mind. And I am, I carry a weapon. I have a concealed carry license. I am not a person who um, goes looking for trouble. I'm not. I don't go looking for situations that I need to carry a gun. Mm -hmm. That's just how I've grown up. You know, it's, it's a natural pits. It's your right. And you know, I mean, so I carry a weapon. The second thought that went through my head almost immediately behind that was shit. I got 40 pounds of dog food in the back seat. Mm -hmm. What a weird two things to come to my mind. Yeah. After just having been just shocked by the sound that I heard. Mm -hmm. Now, we went on to continue the conversation. We finished the, um, the interview. She walked me outside. I was loading my equipment into my car. She walked up to the hood of my car and looked back towards the back part of her property. And I believe this was a rental house. It was on a wooded lot there was a, a, a bit of a ravine in the back part of her property, um, went down, there was a stream. And then on the other side of the stream, uh, adjacent to her property, there was a fairly good hill, a fairly good incline before it leveled back out again. I remember seeing that when I first pulled into her property. So it's dark now. It's, uh, you know, nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. She walks up to the front of my car and she looks back. She puts her hands up to her mouth and she goes whoop and does a whoop. Really? And, and I, I just, I kind of straightened out and I, I put my arm on top of the open door and on the roof of my car. And within a couple of seconds from back, like on the opposite side of that stream, you hear whoop. <laughs> and then again, maybe five seconds later off to my right hand side, mm -hmm. which seemed maybe a hundred yards or more away. Right. Ooh, ooh. Another one. Yep. And she turned around and she looked at me and she had this Cheshire cat grin on her face. And she goes, isn't that cool? I'll, ha <laughs> I'll have to leave. I'll have to leave some food out for him tonight. <laughs> and I, I looked at her and I'm like, I don't know. Is that cool? <laughs> is, is it? Is it really cool? You know, and then I got I got in my car and I'm driving home. I, like I had a 35 minute drive home and I called my son who lives about two hours away from me. 
And I said, dude, you got to talk me down off of this because I don't know what the hell just happened. I said, no. (laughs) Now, during this episode, there were a multitude of things that happened that were really, really strange. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was just one of them. And, uh, but it was the most impactful. Mm -hmm. And so I'm telling him about it. And I told him, you know, this loud sound and then, you know, took my headphones off and I said, man, I just had the chills and they kind of went away and then they came back and they went away and they came back. And he's like, well, what did it sound like? Was it a whoop? Was it a scream? Was it a howl? Was it, you know, what was it? And he just kept saying, well, describe it. What was it? And I finally had to say, God damn it. I don't know. Yeah. Quit asking me. I don't know. I can't describe it. And it was at, at that point I was like, why can't I explain? Why can't I describe it's it? I didn't, I'm not sure that I heard a whoop. I'm not sure I heard her. Ah, you know, I, I right. don't know what, all I know is I felt it and it took me a couple of days and then it dawned on me when you hear people say that they've been zapped mm-hmm. because when I went back and I started thinking about my body's reaction to what had happened, it was electrical. Yes. And it faded and then it kind of came back, but it wasn't as strong. And then it went away and then it came back a little bit more. Only it wasn't Mm -hmm. as strong. And it did that. It did that wave like three, three or four times before it Mm -hmm. tapered off and it was just done entirely. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point I was like, holy crap, I got zapped. Now I know what people mean when they mm-hmm. say that, because, you know, when they, oh, I got zapped by Bigfoot. Well, when you say zap, that sounds electrical. Right. And that didn't make any sense. You know, it's like mm-hmm. infrasound is a, is an auditory thing. It's a vibrational thing. It's a frequency thing that you feel. Um, but this was, this was, <laughs> you know, and it, it may have been a component of, of infrasound, but I got zapped, dude. Yeah. And as I'm telling, you know, I told this story when I was uh, up in West Branch uh, hosting the town hall meeting this past weekend. And when I did it, I got chills. Yeah. And as I'm telling you, I got chills. (laughs) You know, it just, it never goes away. Every time I talk about it, I get chills. Well, Eric, you know, so let's, you know, we'll get back to, you know, the question about these paranormal occurrences paranormal um, characteristics of experiences around Bigfoot. Um, zapping is one of them. And how do they do that? Humans can't do that. I can't, you know, I, I give somebody the stink eye, but I can't make them <laughs> yeah. you know, look across the room or look out of the woods at someone in their yard and uh, give them fight or flight or an electrical feeling that they collapse or feel nauseous or then turn and run away. I mean, and I've been zapped, uh, you know, you can't, you can't be an investigator, uh, leading expeditions out in the woods, researching this thing, um, for years and years without getting zapped. Uh, it's felt different to me a few different times that it's happened. Um, it's never comfortable to your point. You do think about it later on. I've had it feel like a weight was put on my shoulders. Like it was so heavy. I couldn't move. I've had it feel like electricity as you described it. Yeah. It's like I stuck a, screwdriver and electrical socket. Um, and that's not good. Um, I've seen people, I've seen women cry from it. I've seen people get nauseous from it. So back to the, yeah, I'm okay talking about this. It's all evidence. It's all, these are occurrences that happen around this phenomena. And 
we can't explain all of them from a physical standpoint. Right. And and that's okay. You know, you mentioned Cliff before. I love Cliff. I have some good debates with Cliff at shows and things. Um, and he had intense curiosity. He was great in that show because he was always, I tell him this, you're always so curious in the woods. Everybody watching was curious with you. you know, right. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. Yeah, he had great innocence and respect for nature, etc. One of his best buddies, you know, is Tom Powell, who's a teacher out in Oregon, has written some books. Read some of his books. You know, Tom Powell talk about, if you see him present, uh, and I saw him present at Ohio Bigfoot Conference, he was talking about evidence that's that we know of around these things. Um, and then, you know, that's physical and explainable. And then other occurrences. Um, and he had a whole list of them, everything from, uh, you know, the zapping to, uh, well, what you'd call mind speak or white, mm-hmm. you know, orbs and things, lights in the woods. And he said, that's just evidence too. So, it, and it, it happens, the eye shine or eye glow, you know, how do we explain that? And yet people report seeing it all the time. So um, I, I just have respect for it being evidence. These are things that go on. I don't get locked into uh, the, you know, the one camp that says, well, it's all woo and it's, uh, and here are its origins or another one that says, ah, no, it's just a primate undiscovered and, and can be explained away. I think there's more to either of those things. And right. so, yeah. you know, you just got to live with it. Yeah. You know, the, when you run into the people that discount one side or the other, right. Then you're only looking at part of the picture. Correct. And you know, it, it's so much more interesting when you, when you look at the whole scope of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, I get, I'm fortunate. I get to speak at some conferences and things on, on this topic. And from time to time. I did one last weekend in, uh, West in Marion, North Carolina, Western North Carolina, big professor, which had thousands and thousands of people. But I, I ended the talk by saying, you got to be okay with the unexplained. I mean, you got to keep your mind open and then you got to be all right with unexplained. And I, I think that's a good way to, you know, to approach this thing, because that's kind of where I am after all, you know, it never ceases to amaze me some of the things that I experience around these things or that people report. And, uh, you know, you gotta be careful with hoaxers and, you know, there are those things out there and people want to establish themselves as a sensation on social media. And, you know, I discount that and I'm healthy skeptic all the time. Yeah. Not every noise in the woods is Bigfoot. And, uh, I say that when I lead expeditions, I tell people that all the time, but things happen. In your, yeah, right. in your experience with uh, taking uh, taking reports from people and stuff like that, um, do you do you do you run into the hoaxes? Do you run into the people that you just flat out walk away from saying they're making this shit up? Yeah, I do. Um, I do. I you know one of the ones I found most vivid. I had uh, uh, and actually they were they were uh, Native Americans. Uh, you know on on their land and you know they were they had sent me vocal recordings and i you know got back to them and you know we talked about it but you know most of it was foxes and i actually had a wolf in there but you know they were I, frankly i think they're just getting their jollies running around on their atv getting drunk and you know i confronted <laughs> them finally and i said you know you're wasting my time you know and just and i i find people are more exaggerative you know, than anything. A lot. Sometimes we get reports, and you know, me and Billy were on our way home from school, and Bigfoot looked out of the woods. You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. And we, and you can tell by the reports and the descriptions. You can also tell by the behavior. You know, after you've done this long enough, it does fall into categories, and it repeats itself. The reactions these things take, the way they, 
the way they interact, if they do interact, um, they do seem to repeat themselves. These things have some predictability to them at times. And you can tell the hoaxers or the exaggerative claims are just not in line with, you know, what, what you've investigated in the past. Let me ask you, as far as the evidence that is out there currently, um, obviously track casts are, are a big one. Um, yes, they can be hoaxed. Yes. There are some that have, you know, according to Jeff Meldrum has, he's been able to find dermal ridges in them. So, um, of the other evidence that is out there. And what I mean by this is more predominantly the, um, not necessarily YouTube, but that is the most, the largest, uh, viewable audience, the viewable amount of evidence that audience can easily get to. Um, what are, what are some of the standout videos that you've seen that you think are, are legitimate? Yeah, it's funny. You said, so I had a discussion with another, uh, investigator and, uh, well, actually two other, another researcher, uh, last Saturday night, we were talking about some of this and, uh, you know, I'll, part of it I'll say is that, you know, where do these things go? Um, because they show up online. Some of them are really good and then they're gone. Yeah. And if you want to have some fun with it, you know, Google top 10 Bigfoot videos and, you know, it changes. The list changes from mm-hmm. time to time. You know, they, yeah. There's now you see them, now you don't. And I, I don't know what's up with that, but you know, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but you know, there's stuff out there and then it's not out there. Um, you know, so the Patterson Gimlin film has obviously been, you know, it got out there well before there could be any interference, I guess. And you know, it is what it is. It's been around 50 years. I think it's legit. And you know, Meldrum will talk about it. He's taken it apart. It's been digitized and you can look at the, physical characteristics of Patty, it's female, et cetera. And um, I, it, that's the best. That's a granddad. Have it's you seen, have you seen the most recent one? Uh, I think it, I think it aired on the, the proof is out there. It's where Meldrum, I forget the third gentleman, but the other guy was Isaac Tian who, right. who took the, uh, who took the film. I think he had 26 or 27 different, um, different versions uh, right. as far as quality and, and mm-hmm. uh, where they, where they came from, fed it into an AI system that uh, repaired, replaced and enhanced everything. And man, I tell you what, when, you know, like I was, you know, 1977 was the um, in search of with Leonard Nimoy. That was the first time I'd ever seen yeah. the, the actual, I'd seen uh, stills of it in books but that was the first time I had ever seen the film of it. And it struck me, even at being only 12 years old, there was nothing about it that seemed fake to me. It does. It seemed, she seemed to move very fluidly. You know, my dad said, ah, that's somebody in a costume. And I thought even at 12, I was like, how would you be able to have a big costume on like that and not be, not have to be looking down at the ground to make sure where you were walking or, you know, the big clown feet on your, you know, walking over rocks and twigs and, and stuff <laughs> like that and not trip. Right. Um, it just always seemed very fluid to me. And then watching that enhanced version that they ran through that AI, when you can actually see the toes on her right foot lift right. up as she's getting ready to take her step. Yes. And, and now that, 
that seam that people said that looked like a zipper seam going down the back and across the butt. Now it it literally looks like butt cheeks. Yes. It doesn't look like a zipper anymore. <laughs> it doesn't look like a seam in a clothing. It looks like hairy butt cheeks. Right. Um, you know, and that, I, you know, I've, it's only been on that one show that I know of. And man, I wish that would, I wish that would get more, uh, more airtime because more people need to see that. Yeah, no, I agree. I, you know, I've seen, um, Dr. Meldrum, uh, show some of the digitized and some of the enhanced versions of that recently in his presentations. And, uh, I think it's, leading up to some of the same of what you're talking about. You clearly can see the pads on the bottom of the feet, and the yeah. toes. You can see the muscle rip that's in the thigh yeah. um, where, you know, it was either injured or atrophied there. You can see some of that. That's very, very genuine. Um, even the way the head moves and looks back at you, to your point, you know, in a suit, uh, there's no one in a suit could be traversing that, you know, across that Creek bed like that with, you know, the rocks and sticks and water, other things there and just be looking over you know, it's shoulder like that. It's female, you know, I mean, you'd have to go to extraordinary lengths to be able to do that. in those days, and I don't think they had the technology to be able to do that with a suit. So, I mean, that's the best, that's a granddaddy. That's the best. And it continues to be the best and stands the test of time. Uh, there are some other good ones out there. I think it's a, the independence day video. I think it might be called where the you know, group of folks saw one running across the, a field from Woodline on one side to another stopped yeah. at a point. That was a, that's a good video. I, I believe that one's carrying a child or a baby with it. Again, how do you hoax something like that? And why would you have that kind of detail? Right. Um, there was a very good one. Uh, and I don't know that it has a name, but I'll just give it, you know, for any of your listeners that they can find it. I haven't seen it in a while, but I believe it was in Utah and it was, uh, it was a, a boy and he was at a, like a gun range shooting a, and the, the parents were there and they were filming it and he was you know, shooting at targets and I, he had a rifle and he takes a couple of shots and they're filming him from the side. So you can see him shooting and they're, you know, commenting and they're encouraging him along. And, uh, then he switches to a, a shotgun, to take a shot with the shotgun and the big father exchanges guns with him. He takes the shotgun up and he aims and he shoots a well shotgun is much, much louder, obviously. And in the background, as you look, you know, sideways at him with the yeah, uh, on the right side of that ridge yep. on the right side of him. Yeah. And that thing stands up and walks away. And if that isn't one of the best videos I've ever seen in the reaction, the whole thing, I mean, it's wonderful. And that's, first of all, again, I get back to my earlier comment, Bigfoot observe, observing human activity. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. I mean, they're incredible observers and uh, that's what it's doing. It's watching these people and what they're doing. Didn't like the shotgun blast, stands up, walks off to the side. I mean, that's a wonderful video. You know, I, I, I think that's got a lot of, you know, who's going to hoax it to that? Who would be smart enough to put the curiosity factor into that and hoax yeah. it at, at that time? You know, we'll set it up so that when the shotgun goes off, you stand up and walk. You I mean, you can't recreate, so... You know, I like that one a lot too. So, you know, those are some of the ones that come to mind, you know, really quickly to me that I, I like, but you know, it's hard again, I videos show up and then videos come down. Yeah. That, that, that is a strange, um, that's a strange thing that you, you bring up because indeed there are videos that they just, they just go away. And, you know, I am somewhat of a conspiratorial minded person but mm -hmm. i also have common sense so i don't 
I don't always act on what I think could be a conspiracy. I don't always talk about it or, you know, mm-hmm. it just always kind of in the back of my head, but it does make you wonder where, where these things, I mean, is it because of the algorithms of how YouTube works and do they just get kind of pushed out by something because of, of certain search phrases or, or are they actually being taken down? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer. We didn't come to an answer the other night debating it too. You know, um, Scott Carpenter, his books are great. He's done a lot of video yeah, work. I he's like got Scott. a great one. Yeah. And he's got a great one. Uh, where, you know, if you've seen the one where you have that white one, that's, you know, kind of peaks yeah, yeah. over that, that's a wonderful video, you know, and I don't know if he's got that out on the ethosphere or anything, right? You know, but, but, uh, that's a great video. You know, he got that, you know, it was behind him. He was walking and got it over his shoulder. The thing stands up in the bushes and it's, it's a white color. It's huge, you know, and you can see the face on it. You know, that's a very good one. There are good videos out there. The one with the, um, across the horizon and the snow, the one walking in the snow that was out in uh, Washington, I think years ago. And it was a couple of groups of boys are on a camping trip, but they got, it. you can hear them talking through the whole thing. And what is that? What is that? And you can see this thing walking in the yeah. snow. That's a good video. Um, you know, again, a hard, why would, how, how could you, you can tell by the way they're talking. It's genuine. Yeah. You know, yeah. Genuine. You know, what are we seeing going on? I, you know, so you got to pay attention to those things when you watch these videos, because you know, anything that's faked or staged doesn't have that. Well, you know, I, I, you talk about the faked and staged. I, I, I've been, uh, trying to, trying to come up with a, a, a presence of how I would like to, uh, present myself for TikTok, you know, to, to help support the show. Um, because the views that some of these TikToks get is just absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 it, this has got to come out. It, it's got to come out of the Russian territory somewhere. And there's been three or four videos this guy has done. It's always uh, it always seems to be cold because you can see his breath at night. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a first person view through I think his uh, cell phone camera, and he's going to this uh, rickety old barn in the night with a flashlight. And there's something in the barn that is is making noises. It's throwing things at him. It's always in the corner. You can never see it. It it does this. Aye, 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 aye. <laughs> and it just sounds ridiculous, you know? And and he's talking in, in some Russian-ish language, whatever it is. And, you know, it, to me, it just sounds it sounds ridiculous. And it, it's staged, and, and I get a chuckle out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I did, a, I did an interview with a, a gentleman who uh, actually listens to my show. And he said, hey, you know, I've had a couple of weird things I wouldn't mind telling you about. So we talked. We did a show. He had a couple of paranormal experiences when he was younger. And when he and his first wife were running a house that was kind of out in the middle of nowhere, um, upper, upper central Michigan, way over on the west side, closer to the lake, um, he, he sends me that video with the ay, 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 ay. <laughs> and he's like man as crazy as this is gonna sound my wife and i heard this come out of the wood line as mm-hmm. we were coming home late at night one night going up to the front porch of the house we heard this behind us mm-hmm. and he said when i heard this it, it it like shocked me it it brought it all rushing back and you know so 
I don't know what I don't know what aspect of that you know the the Russian film is. I do. I think it's a hoax because you never see anything. It's always in the corner. It's always in the dark. There's always you know a bottle or something getting thrown across the room. Right. But that noise that it's making makes me wonder: did he did he choose to have whoever's in that barn making the ruckus make that noise because that's something that they've heard as well? Right. And why would it be the same on that side of the world as it would be smack dab in the middle of, of Michigan? Well, so a couple of comments. One is, uh, you know, doesn't matter what door you take to get into the paranormal world. So whether it's Bigfoot or ghosts or UFOs or, you know, whatever, once you get in there, weird stuff starts happening. So, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, and so who knows, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't know the, the answer to that. You know, one other thing about the Bigfoot uh, side of things is they're wonderful mimics. And, I, you know, it allows them to create deflection. Um, you know, you're, in your story, you're talking about your, the two whoops uh, when you're interviewing the yeah. uh, witch person. But there's never one of them, as I was saying. And, you know, they can use deflection with each other when you're in the woods to deflect you by creating these noises. And, and this is going to sound crazy, but sometimes it's even like a familiar noise that you say, why am I hearing this noise in the woods? I normally hear that during my work week at a, you know, at a place or I've heard that before, uh, but how could that be recreated here in the woods? And, and it is, and, and they, it's fascinating. I don't know how they, I've heard everything in researching this and it was, I've heard everything from babies crying to circular saws. I've heard uh, what sound like staple gun noises. I've heard uh, car door alarms out in the middle of the woods with these things. These things are incredible mimics. And, um, you know, if you got more than one of them doing it at a time, if they want you out on area, or if you want you confused, dazed and confused, that's a good way to do it. Well, even Ron Moorhead stated that, you know, they had an instance where it sounded like their their total camp, all the, all the pots and pans and everything had been just, torn apart and and they they walked out of their structure and everything was nice and neat just like they had yeah. left it you know That's and other pe- other people report hearing car doors closing right you know tens yeah. of miles deep into the wood where, <laughs> where they've they've had to walk you know miles to get back there and no way a, a vehicle could get there uh, i was on an expedition a year and a half ago with a group we had about 25 of us and we were at night going on groups of five, six, and we were miles from each other. And I mean, I mean, we're back there. We're just in the Smokies, but uh, I can't tell you where. But we're there's no cars anywhere. And each group independently coming back, we debriefed the next day. Reported hearing car doors in different places in the, in the woods and close. Like yeah. I heard a car door, and it was you know a hundred yards away in the woods, middle of the woods, coming up. We heard this all over the place. And all we could come up with was, well, the Bigfoots were doing it to confuse us, deflect attention from themselves. Uh, it's a familiar sound. They knew they knew how to make the sound. They like making the sound, but they kept doing it. And we're hearing it at eleven o'clock at night, one in the morning, you know, that kind of thing out in the woods. And you know, you, we're always always skeptical. You should always be a healthy skeptic. But when you you know that kind of thing goes on, and independently groups are reporting it, you know, they're generating or they're having a laugh on us. Maybe or they're just trying to get us you know, to leave or get us confused. And I think that's part of their nature. Well, you know, you brought up Scott Carpenter and, and I enjoy his content as well. And, um, you know, he, he was a big part of the, uh, the genome project and, uh, wrote a a book afterwards. 
Yes. And uh, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I'm not a specialist in DNA for whatsoever. I, I do think that they were on the right track. I think there were some potholes that they hit that they it, had, they had, they evaded those potholes. They might've fared a little bit better, a little bit better. Uh, but after talking to Robert Kreider and the, the couple of DNA, uh, sequencing uh groups that he had worked with as well separate from this he ran into the same problems um with with the um the decision to not publish and to just basically have all of his samples be taken away um mm -hmm. so i i think there is something there is something there um you know, as far as a roadblock and, right. you know, I'm not quite sure why, you know, is it, is it that we can't, that we would not be able to deal with that? Could we not grasp it? The thing with Scott Carpenter, you know, a lot of his content revolves around him being a very, uh, faith-based man. Yes. And, you know, you, you start getting into the idea that the, the, the more spiritual nature of these things possibly being, um, in some way, shape or form related to the Nephilim, mm -hmm. um, you know, that could explain some of the, the woo characteristics that they, you know, it, it, it's so, there's so many branches to this rabbit hole that it's just, it's exhausting at times, you know, <laughs> just, just trying to keep up with. And, you know, if you're, if you're going to take a good solid look at this and not discount anything, other than what your gut tells you is obviously a hoax. There's, there's a lot of things that you've, you've got to, you've got to take into consideration and, and give proper um, acknowledgement to. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you're an acknowledgement, I think is the key word. You know, if the, you know, if a higher authority or a collective authority, like the government acknowledges this, you know, do they have all the answers to it? You know, one thing at a time, I mean, they're just releasing the UFO footage uh, you mm -hmm. know i put something on that on cable i think this morning again but they started out a year or so ago with the gimbal video and the tic tac videos and all that yeah. so you know there's acknowledgement but is there explanation not entirely so i guess one paranormal weird thing at a time you know so <laughs> uh, you know how do you I, I, and i don't believe you know the government if you know I don't, I don't think the government knows everything about this you know I, I don't know everything about this but i'm okay with going through life realizing that there are aspects of this that can't be explained and I'm not getting dogmatic or stuck in it is a primate and it has physical characteristics at it and the story closed chapter book, you know, book I'm not, and I'm not ignoring the, as you call it, woo side of things either, because I just, I've experienced a lot of that stuff and I've been around folks that have experienced it and interviewed plenty of people that have. So I know there's those that, that aspect to it. So you just, you just got to go along and stay open-minded with it. But, um, you know, it's kind of a gift that keeps on giving. It's not stopping. Well, you know, uh, Scott Tompkins, uh, I had him on the show uh, a couple of months ago, and he has put together the Bigfoot Mapping Project, which right. is an app for your phone. Mm -hmm. So we, we had a great show. Um and, and God love the guy. I mean, he was, he was a great interview. Uh, he seemed like he had an awful lot of fun and he just seems to be blowing up because I was his second podcast. I think he did the, uh, forest Fleur 
just prior Sorry, to yeah, yeah, yep, yep. yep, he did that with uh, Emily uh, just prior to my show. Then he yeah. did mine, okay. and and I swear every week I see him on another podcast. So you know, kudos to him for for getting out mm-hmm. there and talking about this project because it's a it's a neat it's a neat pocket tool to have you know, uh, on your phone and, and, you know, it, it's a very quick way to, uh, access some information. And, and I like the fact that, you know, you, you click on something and that'll take you straight to a BFRO report link where you can read the whole report or you can just look at the summary of it. Um, but after our, after our show, I contacted him and I said, Hey, look, I think there's a lot more that we can do and let's give it a little bit of time. I want to do another show with you. And I said, I'd like to specifically address your map versus, and I sent him a map of known UFO sightings mm-hmm. from 1903 to present. And I said, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to overlay that map with your map of sightings for Bigfoot. And he sent me back a, a text and he's like, wow <laughs> you know no i'm not saying I'm, I'm not trying to draw any kind of conclusion or or anything but the similarities are are very striking and i said the next thing i want to do is i want to take a map of dave polite's missing persons uh um flaps you know where they have right we lay that over that and you're still you're still in the same areas and you take a map of all the known, uh, major cave systems in the United States and those all line up as well. And the last one was, um, known nuclear installations throughout mm-hmm. the U S right. And your, 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 your map isn't changing much with all those things. They're all very, very, they're all very, very similar. And I, I find that to be somewhat odd. Yeah, no, I, I, I would say that, you know, it's odd too. And, you know, the nuclear installations and UFO uh, occurrences that, you know, that's worldwide. I mean, you, you know, you, you've heard, hear that in uh, Russia, yeah. the UK, et cetera. You know, I, I would overlay some type of water source map on that too, because uh, it would seem to me, I know when it comes to you know, Bigfoot, you know, quite often you uh, you have you find more of them around water sources, waterfalls in particular. So, water waterfalls yeah. in particular. Yes. And why do you think that yeah. is? Uh, I think it's a constant water source, uh, regardless of. Uh, freeze thaw winter cycles etc there's water there but um and considerably louder than just a river right and that could cover them up moving around etc but uh, they seem to you know where you have a high um high number of waterfalls if you will uh or water source it seems to be you know they will follow the waterways and they're, they're around that but i think if you kept you know you put the map of the ley lines over this too and i'm, I'm sure there's some you know, some junctions that, that match up with that too. But yeah. I don't know what's going on. It, with it's all like, that, but... it's like you're in my head because indeed yeah. I have overlaid that and, and they, <laughs> they do tend to match up. <laughs> yeah. So what's, so what's going on with all that is, are, you know, are the, uh, are the, is the veil thin there? You know, you know, why, you know, yeah. I don't know. 
you know, and I, every, people talk about interdimensional this and that, but nobody really and, uh, yet to talk to someone who has a degree in interdimensional, uh, uh travel or, <laughs> right. so, yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm not qualified to talk about it, et cetera, but something is going on there because, you know, the nexus, uh, you know, these things where they seem to come together, um, there's activity and I, I don't know. There is overlap in all this. These aren't independent circles. When you lay the activity down, there's overlap. So I, I can't explain all that except that people, you know, like yourself, people have found, um, people are curious about this. It comes up, you know, I, I talk, I did last Friday night. I hands went up. What about UFO connections? You know, so right. You know, people, it's not, it's becoming more and more top of mind. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you start talking about all those things combined, you know, even if there is no direct correlation, right. there is some secondary correlation because they're happening in, in the same areas. Right. Um, so, you know, what do we make of that? We have absolutely no idea. Um, but it's interesting. It's really, it, it's odd. Is it a coincidence? Could be. Um, could it be something that's just related to the geology of that area? You know, is it a, a specific makeup of, you know, the, you know, like Dave Blighty's, he says a lot of these uh, missing people happen around specific types of rock that are right. you know, rock fields and stuff like that. Is that, is that got something to do with it? Um, yeah. He'll talk about water sources. Uh, I've read all his books and I've, I've talked with him one-on-one even, and uh, you know, he'll talk about water sources. He'll talk about granite, you know, when there's a high uh, concentration of granite and, yeah, that may just have something to do with it. And there's similar type of people in the disappearances, et cetera. It's, you know, um, you know, I don't know why that is, but you know, these things aren't random. You know, it's, you know, and I, it's hard to figure out why that is, but, uh, you know, a lot of the, these things touch each other, but, you know, I haven't, you know, other paranormal side of things, ghost encounters and ghost, you know, occurrences. I, I don't know. Mapping that makes that all, there is a map out there of a lot of this stuff. Who did, uh, what is it? What's the name of the map in black? Maybe you've seen that map in black. Yeah, I think it's called, uh, actually I have a mistress. It's a map of North America. Craig cartography did it. The map in black.com. If you take a look at that, it's got, uh, lines up haunted places, UFOs, unexplained mysteries, strange creatures, extreme locations, occurrences, and <laughs> it's got them all mapped out. Oh, wow. That's oh. interesting. I'll have to take a look at that. I have not yeah. heard of that. Yeah, so I picked that out. We take a look at that. I've been kind of, so I'm kind of, I've been kind of doing some of the same thing you're trying to make. But you know, we all try to make sense of this, and it's hard to. Well, you know what helps making sense of? I don't know that it makes sense of it, but I think it gives me a, a, a more rounded, better perception of you know what, what's happening out there. Doesn't necessarily clear clarify why it's happening or how it's happening. Um, but getting to talk to people like yourself and like any of my other guests, whatever their experience has been, it helps you see things from alternative perspectives. It doesn't necessarily change my beliefs. Right. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but the more information that you get, I just can't help but feel that it's I'm better off with having talked to those people than had I not. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a head scratchers that, uh, you know, I've been on, uh, expeditions where, 
uh, groups have come back and reported lights in the woods or lights from above the woods over the canopy, uh, you know, was it UFO, et cetera. But we had Bigfoot activity, and then all of a sudden there was a this you know large light came ab- above the group in the woods. And, you know, what is is that? So it, it's kind of like, you know, if one of these things is occurring, all of a sudden the others start to do it. I've been in. I've been on these things. I was with one group once at a place in North Georgia, and uh, we were around some old uh, hillbilly-type cemeteries. And, uh, you know, one of the groups came back and mistook. They thought a person was with them in their group that they met up with later at a junction in the woods and said, you know, how'd you get here? You were with us earlier. And she said, no, I wasn't. And they said, no, yes, you were, because all the time we were in the cemetery, you were walking around the perimeter of the cemetery with us, and you were wearing white clothing that now you're wearing green what happened and it wasn't her it was a ghost an apparition wow you know so uh, you know all of but again they were having bigfoot activity i was a uh, i can't tell you the place but another location in tennessee a couple of years ago and we were listening to parabolics we had bigfoot activity around an old very old old cemetery deep in the woods and uh heard my name called out of the woods yeah and I wasn't the only one to pick it up. Another gentleman in a group, uh, you know, another 15 yards from me, with you know, turned around and said, "Hey, I just heard your name being called." You know, I heard it clearly twice through the parabolic from the cemetery, and we were having Bigfoot activity. So, you know, where they were around us, and they were knocking, and they were kind of giving up their presence. And, you know, so how does this stuff happen, Eric? How does all of the, you know? And it starts when stuff like this, otherworldly occurrences, have you know, it's hard to. You walk away from that and say, you know, why? Why did that just happen? It starts to get, when they all come together like that, um, it starts to get a little scary. It does. And, you know, we're coming up on on an hour, and I know you wanted to keep it to about that, but I got got two more questions for you. Shoot. Um, First of all, what you just brought up, you, you mentioned a couple of times of being in the area of a cemetery and having Bigfoot experience going around you. Mm-hmm. You hear about that fairly often. What do you th- what do you think the 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 correlation is between cemeteries, graveyards, and the presence of Bigfoot? Do you think there is anything? Uh, is it just happenstance? Is it just coincidental that you know it's a wooded area outside of it, so naturally they would be in the wooded area? Or do you think it has something to do with an attraction to the graveyard? Well, so. So, yeah, let me, so I'd answer that by saying, if you look at where cemeteries are, I don't know that modern day cemeteries, you know, as much, but it seems like the ones that have been around, you know, 150, you know, the old, I I said hillbilly, but the the older cemeteries and graveyards and where you have a preponderance of them, where there were settlements, uh, typically there's woods, they're overgrown in places now. So maybe just the terrain and the woods, et cetera, that kind of, lend themselves to a Bigfoot habitat. But uh, it seems like where you have a, I'll, I'll tell you a place, land between the lakes. You, you've heard of that place. Yes. And, you know, it, it crosses over between Tennessee and uh, Kentucky. Look at the map of the cemeteries in the land between the lakes. Okay. The land between the lakes is a large piece of property surrounded by water. Here we go again. Uh, it's had a history of UFO sightings, paranormal, mm-hmm. uh, uh, lots of, ghost sightings, ghost activity, uh, Bigfoot activity, and is most famous for a whole story on, you know, dogman encounters. Right, exactly. So, um, 
Yeah, just take a look at the map of the cemeteries in that place. You know that I maybe there's something to it. I don't know, but you know that would be case in point. So my answer would be um, just based on experience. Uh, I've had experiences, Bigfoot experiences around older type cemetery properties, and there seems to be a correlation. What it is, I can't tell you. Let's end this with what was your most significant personal experience out in the field while looking for Bigfoot. Now it doesn't necessarily have to be about Bigfoot, but it could be you ran into a ghost or whatever, but what was, what was the most significant uh, thing that you've run into? Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you a, uh, one, but then, yeah, I have plenty of we could talk about. Maybe we'll do it again someday. I'd like to. Yeah, I'd know, love to. Do this. Um, I'll give you one I, you know, I think is uh, pretty good. I, I've, you know, the BFRO classifies sighting, and, of course, you rely on your eyes more than any other sense, but as a Class A, Class B, or Class C type encounter or experience, and, you know, C could be anything from um, you know, stories handed down, uh, to class A, which is you, you saw something, you know, it's a Bigfoot and you know, it was just, it was distinguished by Bigfoot characteristics, you know, no neck, long arms, uh, could see the face, could see, uh, that it was not a bear, that it was not a human. And that's how it is, how it is described. The BFRO is very specific about that. And I, I like that as a framework. Um, I had a class A, I've, I've had, uh, I could say many class B encounters and, uh, three very solid Class A encounters. One of which was in north, the northwest part of Colorado years ago on an expedition. And I'll give you, you know, a couple of details on that and tell you something that happened after. But um, you know, we were remote, and I can't tell you the location except to say it was in northwestern part of Colorado. But um, I was, you know, with a group. We were primitive camping, so um, in the woods, in an area in the woods uh, without any facilities, etc. Over the course of like four days uh, and nights. And, you know, I had a class A encounter. Five of us were in a canyon, um, in a wooded canyon. We had activity around. We had scouted the area during the day. We had heard knocks. Um, you know, we we had reference from some other campers that were in that area, you know, on a weekly basis that they were in this canyon. And five of us um, were in a place. Of, kind of, I always like to stop on where trails will take an elbow and you have high ground above you. And then they mm-hmm. kind of, you know, come around, not, not necessarily a switchback, but you know, a, a large sweeping U type along a, a canyon or on a side of a mountain, a ridge above you that it gives them a chance to see you. You know, you can do things. I have a lot of, you can't attack these things and you can't hunt them, but you can get in a spot where you could draw, uh, you know, attractively draw them to you, whether it's by uh, singing, playing music, build a campfire, talk, laugh, harmonica, any of that kind of thing seems to bring them in. You know, why are these people out here at one in the morning doing this? You know, right. you know, and that they'll come to you. Well, that had happened. And, uh, we saw, uh, at one point we knew that we had a lot of activity around us and five of us all looked, uh, above the ridge line to our West basically. And, uh, so a white, a white orb moving above the rocks, the ledge above us. And we watched this, um, while we were having activity, we could hear him behind us. We watched this white orb move around. Um, my experiences told me to look the other way, and I turned my head and looked down the trail behind us. Moonlit night. It was no, it was not late. It was just you know, just past ten, and uh, 
I could see uh, Bigfoot standing in the middle of the trail looking right at me, and we paced it off the next day. It was about 90 feet. Um, so had the, another... let me let me just inter- interject here. So the light from the orb produced enough light that you saw the, the Bigfoot? No, or was it just be, was it just because of the ambient light of the night? Yeah, it was a moonlight. It was weird. It was okay. broken in the woods. We had you know, bro, it wasn't uh, you know a canopy above us everywhere. We were kind of broken trees along the side of gotcha, this gotcha, ridge. Gotcha. But we could see we the two of us had turned, looked back on the trail, and saw this thing standing in the middle of the trail. I would say juvenile, six and a half foot tall, kind of swayed from side to side, like oh, I've been caught. Um, which Bigfoot will do that? They'll sway from side to side. So I always describe it as like a you know shortstop or second baseman, you know, they uh-huh. move from side yeah. to side and it was doing that. And then it took about three steps and went in the woods while the other three of us were, were still looking. I commented, uh, oh, there's a Bigfoot. I turned, but you know, we at the same time had seen and were observing a white orb, which may have been observing us, you know, above the Canyon wall kind of moving, uh, you know, in, up in one direction. And as I said earlier, it's deflection. We looked back down the trail, two of us and saw this thing standing there. Um, I distinct, clearly could see no neck, could see the arms longer, you know, down almost to the knees, no white in the eyes, just very, very dark in the eyes, kind of a, a gas look on its face, not a, not troubled, not angry, but just well, a, a sort of like, oh, I've been seen. And it, <laughs> you know, it darted and it darted off. But I, I watched this for a few seconds. I knew exactly what I was looking at. Black uh, around the face. It wasn't as dark. wasn't, you know, I would not say fur, but I would say hair but not around the face. So you could see the face. Um, so that, you know, next day we were, you know, high-fiving. You know, we had a Bigfoot encounter. We saw, um, you know, speaking about it and we described it and drew it, and et cetera, et cetera. So here's where the story gets a little more profound. So after, uh, I remember thinking to myself when I was parked, I parked my vehicle with my tent up, that you know, we were kind of in an Aspen Grove, and I thought, that, you know, if I was, this would be a great place to, you know, Bigfoot, uh, leave an imprint on my vehicle or look in my vehicle. Mm-hmm. Leave a, maybe I'll get a handprint or something. I remember thinking that curiously for some reason over the course of the four days, I thought about it several times. Don't know why, but I did. Laying in my tent one night and several people had said, there's movement. These things will move around at night when, um, there's noise from planes up above and cover noise from the, Planes in the international flights going to Denver Airport, uh, you know, always around three to four in the morning, and you know, it's no, you can hear them coming across the state then, and it seems like there's activity. I wake up at three thirty, and I felt like I can't move, like I'm frozen, and I hear whoop outside my tent, and I can hear them moving around, and literally didn't feel I could move. Felt like I was in suspended animation. Really, wasn't wasn't zapped. Just felt like I was frozen. Yeah. And then I hear another whoop further away. And then from the other side of my tent over in the campground, we were in a, again, we we're just dispersed in an aspen grove. It's all primitive. I hear whoop. And so I know there's at least three of them. But they're moving around out there. And I try to fight my way through this and I get, you know, freaked out. And I doze off back to sleep and talk to some other folks about it the next day and a couple of them had heard the same thing uh we break up camp on sunday it's time to leave i get in my vehicle and i you know i'm thinking to myself i saw a bigfoot on this i woke up there in the middle of the night and i heard them in our camp you know our campsite area and i drive down the hill to get to steamboat springs and you know take me a couple hours and that's where i wound up all i wanted to do is have something to eat because you're in the woods for four days and, you know, pretty grubby and, you know, no facilities, et cetera. 
I just wanted someone to make me a meal. <laughs> and, uh, and all the way down the, all the way down the mountains coming out of there, I remember how dusty it was, you know, kicked up a lot of dirt and dust. I get my vehicle into town and I get out of the, I get out of my, I had an FJ cruiser at the time. I get out of that and I walk around the back and I stop dead and I see on the window on the side of my vehicle, a large left hand print and the side of a face like something put its hand on my vehicle and put its face right up against to look what was inside the back of. Have you ever published that picture? I didn't publish it. I have it. Uh, I sent it because that sounds really familiar. Like uh, I've seen the same thing, the half, (laughs) the half side of the face pressed up against uh, a window. Maybe it got out, but I'll tell you what. I I can't remember if it was on a vehicle or if it was on a house. But I remember, I remember clearly seeing the the half of a face pressed up against a window. I haven't published it. I have shared it. You may have seen, but it clearly you can see the hair follicles. You can see the eye socket. You can see kind of where the nose. You can see where the nose is. You can see the hair. That you know, they have, these things have kind of a greasy face or hand. I you know, I've seen that before and had witnesses show me that but yeah doug right Heitch, up against doug hijack from uh did he do monster quest, monster did, quest uh, yes. yeah he did um, yeah he, he's come up with a term for that um and I, I, I the the name escapes me but there's a specific term now to okay. describe to describe that white milky oily oily yeah. substance mm-hmm. and it definitely happens i've got a Witness I deal with now is in Tennessee, and he's got him on his property. I've been at his property for several years now, and he sends me updates all the time. And, it, I mean, they do. Whatever that is, it shows up on the – he's got a station. He leaves toys and things out. It shows up on other things all the time. It's showed up on his house and on windows. I mean, they they definitely – whatever that is, it's a kind of oily, greasy, uh, and hairy kind of thing, but they leave a residue on stuff. I mean, that that's a fact. So whatever that name is, I'd like to get it from – I did a – podcast with Doug a couple of years ago. I'd like to, I'd like to hear what that's called, but you're right about that. But I got it on my car and all the dirt and dust driving down out of the mountains stuck right on the side. And I got some good pictures of it. And I thought to myself, why, how the hell did that happen? Because I thought of it. I thought of it several times, as I said earlier in the story over the course of a few days, I saw one of these things, you know, I uh, saw a white orb in the woods. I heard them in the campgrounds. I mean, so from, from the standpoint of your question, tell tell you about a profound experience that was. I mean, I have multiplicity of things happen over a course of a few days that I can't explain. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It is. I mean, how can you think about something like that and then it happen? Yeah, again, that you know that that moves into that that segment of peripheral things that happen while while you're around these things that just so many people like to discount but it just makes it so much more interesting and quite frankly more frustrating because it, it adds to the, the the depth of of what's going on and increases the amount that we don't understand already so well, to your point earlier, Eric, you can't discount it. It is all evidence, and we ought to just have the same respect for it that we do for a footprint or, you know, a video, one of these things. You know, it is what it is. There are people, though, that Bigfoot could walk up and shake their hand, and they say it doesn't exist, you know. So, yeah. you know, so I think you got to keep an open mind to this thing and accept it as evidence and not try to explain everything away. So it is what it is. 
Well, with that, Rick, thanks so much for being on the show with me. I appreciate it. Take a minute and let all of my listeners know where they can find you on social media, where your shop is on Etsy, so everybody can give you a good view. And yeah, so again, uh, uh, you can you can find us. Uh, I know Squatch on Etsy, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and. Uh, you know, we, we do merchandise, um, sell, you know, clothing, hats, stickers, buttons, things along those lines. And we try to do, as I said, our own artwork and depict, you know, Bigfoot the way it gets seen. And we've got some, uh, I, you know, I think uh, I know from going to a lot of these shows and things at conferences, people seem to regard our merchandise highly because we do our own depictions. It's all original artwork. I also have a field guidebook they can find on there. It's in its fourth edition and it's got uh, on the subject of stick structures. And I do talks about that out out uh, from time to time but i could pick up a copy of the field guide and it's useful to take out in the woods when you're um, doing your own research fantastic rick uh again thanks so much for being with me it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and honestly if you uh if you don't mind i'd love to reach out to you again and uh, and do another episode we'll give this we'll give give it some time between episodes so they can uh, digest all of this but uh, it sounds like you've got a lot more to talk about and I've got a lot more questions to ask you. So, All right, Eric, I'd, I'd love to do it. I'd love to have the chance to do that with you again. I found the conversation intriguing and uh, it's always exhilarating talking about Bigfoot and, uh, you know, who knows where it'll, where it'll lead. So that's uh, why I always stay interested. Indeed. Rick, thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. Good night. Good night. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable.